Nothing happens in Valley Gate. The sun came out on Friday and Saturday this last week. It was warm, the warmest it's been in a few weeks. Folks were out getting their gardens cleaned out of dead or dying plants. They were buying pumpkins and mums from Penelope Ginger Snaps Greenhouse and Garden Center. We've even had a few campers pull into the campground down in the valley, taking advantage of the last gasps of summer. Sunday was a more rainy and cozy day. The Shepherd's Nook Cafe was filled with students from the university looking for a bit of freedom from campus, and the Iron Barrel Tavern had plenty of guests ordering the soup of the day, Edmund Trugust's Dwarvish Chili. It's a heavier chili, thicker by all accounts. It's made from tomatoes imported from Grimvault, beef from a specific cattle that has been bred to be raised underground, and it's spiced with dragon peppers that make your mouth burn a bit, but fills your stomach with a warmth and flavor that gives a profound comfort. It's like a hug or a sweater that's just been pulled from the dryer. And still other valigations were content to sit at home, curled up with a book and some hot tea, and let the clouds pass them by. These were the same clouds that hung over the 36 freeway and seemed to drop an unending deluge of rain, causing slowdowns and general unpleasantness for motorists as they went about their Sunday drives. This was especially true for those navigating the mountainous roads that wind their way through trees and tunnels toward Valley Gate, Castle Stormheart, was one such driver contending with the rain, her pickup bumped along the roads of the Caridian Wilderness, the incredible vistas nearly impossible to see in the dark. She had made the decision to drive in the middle of the road to stay away from the cliffside, just in case. No one drives on the 36 this late, after all, and for a few hours there, Castle felt like the last person alive. There was nothing, not even a distant streetlight for miles in any direction. Every now and again, Castle would spare a glimpse into the truck bed where her wolf, Wish, was curled up, his white fur flattened by the wind, but he didn't seem to mind. Castle was returned to Valleygate after about a two-month stay with her family on a different continent entirely. She had traveled to Arbora to be with them. She hadn't seen them for almost two years, and she wanted so badly to meet her new niece, Willow, before she got too old. Willow was a troublemaker, like her mother Lila, Castle's sister-in-law. Willow would hide from everyone for just long enough to cause a slight panic, then emerge from her refuge with a great big grin on her face, knowing she had fooled everyone. She was an adorable little girl, Castle thought. But beyond her niece, she enjoyed time with all four of her brothers and one sister-in-law, as well as Bart's girlfriend Nessa. Castle and Nessa really hit it off. They seemed to share a certain outlook on the world despite their differences. Nessa is elvish, and Castle is a half-giant adopted into a human family, so the two of them bonded over the difficulties of sometimes feeling like an outsider. But mostly they seem to enjoy the same types of activities and media. The two of them even decided to start a two-person book club as a means of keeping in touch once they went their separate ways. But the primary reason Castle wanted to visit so badly was for her father, Bram. He was getting older, not infirm by any means, but as a young person, you sometimes think that your time with the older folks in your life, especially with those you love, is more limited than it really is. So Castle was thankful to be with him. He hasn't slowed down one bit since last she saw him. He was still out there chopping wood every morning, pulling breakfast together for everyone, and chasing Willow around the yard. Castle was grateful to see this. It eased the guilt she felt for leaving Arbora 
and her family. And when she expressed this guilt to her father one early morning over coffee in the kitchen of the Woodsy family home, he chuckled to himself and said, Cassie, of all my children, you've always been the dreamer, and I knew one day you'd leave to pursue those dreams, and I'm nothing but thankful to the gods that you turned out to be such a strong woman, even if you didn't necessarily have one to be a role model for you. And Cass responded, Maybe not a strong woman, Da, but certainly a strong father. Bram smiled at his daughter, who had stood at least a foot taller than he since she was 13. And he said, You worry about watching that strength you see in me fade as I get older, I can tell. Well, first of all, I'm not that old. I have 20 or 30 good years left in me, so don't count me out just yet. Secondly, Castle, know that I am happy and that I cherish the strength I have so I can spend time with my granddaughter and any other grandchildren that come my way, even if they are as big as me when they're six. Castle laughed, and her father embraced her. Now, as long as you're here, and if you worry so much, you can chop wood for the furnace, put those young hands of yours to good use. Castle loved her father and hoped that one day he'd make his way to her in Valleygate and see the life she had built on her own there. She knew he'd enjoy it and loved to read about all the history of the surrounding areas. Castle had shared a little of this new life with some of her high school friends that she met up with while she was home. She had reached out through social media asking if they wanted to get together. They didn't keep in touch per se, but Castle thought it would be fun to see them, and it was. They went out for brunch one Saturday morning and caught up. Many of her friends were married and had a child or two while maintaining successful careers or were pursuing acting in the arts or had moved out of Arbora to a big city somewhere else where they were rubbing elbows with celebrities and influencers. They'd all made these strides and Castle couldn't help but feel a little inferior to them, like she didn't have much to show for the time that had passed since they last saw one another. When conversation turned to her, she thought about lying briefly before she told them that she'd moved deep in the Caridian wilderness where nothing happens. This made the others at the table curious. They kept asking questions. What do you do? Where do you work? Have you met anyone you're interested in? These questions, Castle thought, are what her friends believed gave a life value, and so she told them honestly the answers. She works as a kind of -of jack-of-all-trades for the town. She spends a few weeks here and a few weeks there at various businesses where she is needed. She'll fill shifts at the Shepherd's Nook Cafe or help Doric Prignac at his lumber business, Premium Furs, as well as Yorick Prignac at his trapping business, Premium Furs. And she'll substitute teach at the school or lead whitewater rafting trips for the Titan Valley Rafting Company in the summer or drive the hay rides at the Peachel Family Orchards in the fall. She loves the variety and all the people she gets to help. But this line of work puzzled Castle's friends. How did she get paid? Does she log hours or have a standard flat rate for a day's work? Castle tried to explain that generally the folks she worked with run businesses and can pay for her assistance, but she didn't want to get into the weeds of it all, so she just said she's technically an employee of the town government and gets sent around to wherever she is needed. Which is a lie, but is easier than the truth. They seemed to accept that, and then came to the question of if she had met anyone. Castle admitted that there were a few folks around town she was interested in, but that was more likely to find someone in a more populated area near Valley Gate, like Lettuce Field or Candle City. 
But all they heard was the bit about her interest in people around Valleygate, and they pressed her for details. Castle admitted a few of the names. She kind of liked the attention she was getting from her friends, and she could see that now that they had found their significant other, they liked to experience the thrill of budding romance, even if it was vicariously through someone else. Of course, the folks she mentioned were found via social media, and her friends began discussing which would be best for Castle, and it was decided that Doric Prignac at Premium Furs was the best match. They made Castle promise to keep them updated, and she just laughed and agreed to keep them in the loop. But as Castle left the brunch, she felt a pang of jealousy for her friends, who had seemed to figure things out much faster than she had, and Castle knew... She wanted kids and wanted someone to love her and had dreamed of a successful career and she felt anxious. She was in her late 20s so there was plenty of time but again a young person believes that if they don't act now then maybe what they want will never come to be. And so it was on the 36 highway driving through the rain and in the middle of the road that Castle began seriously considering her options for how she could take steps toward one of those goals. If she found a significant other and it worked out, then kids would be an eventuality, she thought, and maybe if she started advertising herself more on the Arcanet, she could begin selling her wood and stonework, and maybe- Castle slammed on the brakes, and they screeched in protest as the truck slid over the rain-slicked road and finally came to a stop. She turned to Wish, who was sat up and looking back at her. She climbed out of the driver's seat and went to see what had been in the middle of the road, what she had seen that made her swerve rain streaked through the headlights that illuminated the mutilated carcass of a large elk. So large, in fact, it filled nearly the whole two-lane road. Something had killed this creature, she knew, something big. But Castle just began doing her best to shift the body off the road. And with her stature, it wasn't too long before she was able to move the elk onto the shoulder and then into the woods a little ways so it didn't attract carrion that could get hit by another car. She stood from the elk and turned back toward the truck. Her feet sunk deep into the leaves and mud on the forest floor and she struggled for a minute to make much progress forward. The limbs of the trees assisted her as she moved forward. She could see Wish on all fours in the cab of the truck. Looking out toward her, she grabbed a branch that seemed to wrap around her wrist, and she pulled it free, but now she could feel branches snaking around her torso and arms. She began to panic. Her breath quickened, and she tried moving faster through the deep and muddy leaves. But as she did, Wish began to bark wildly like nothing she had ever heard before. Hey! She cried out to him. Buddy, it's me! Cold and wet branches continued to wrap themselves around her arms and neck, and just as soon as she'd tear a few of them off, another few would slither along her skin, desperate to keep her in the woods. At last, Castle reached the road, and when she did, she took Wish's head in her hands and she held him close to her as her breath began to ease. Wish whimpered, still staring into the woods, and Castle scratched his head to comfort him. It's okay, buddy. Just a little grasping thistle. I think we're safe. But when Castle turned, her heart stopped as she saw a pair of glowing white saucer-like eyes, lidless and pupilless, perfectly circular, staring back at her from between the trees. They didn't move and seemed to be a decent distance from her, but, and her skin crawled at the thought, they must have been behind her as she was walking back toward the truck. She was frozen on the spot for... She didn't know how long, 
and Wish remained silent. But at last she mustered the courage to scurry back into the driver's seat and accelerate. She heard rustling in the trees as she did so. It was rhythmic, like a massive creature bounding toward her. Wish renewed his barking in earnest, and the truck screamed, tires spinning on the wet road before peeling off into the night. Castle didn't dare look in her rearview mirror for at least 15 minutes, and when she did, she didn't see anything, and her heart rate began to normalize. The next sign she saw was that of the Titan Valley County line, and about an hour later, the truck pulled in front of the Shepherd's Nook coffee shop. Only a street lamp illuminated this area of Main Street, and an eerie fog hung over the ground. Castle grabbed her bag of essentials from the back seat, but left everything else as she opened the truck door and practically leapt the distance between the street and the building. She unlocked the door and allowed Wish to run past her up the stairs. She closed the door behind her as she entered and locked it instantly, and at last she took a deep breath. She stepped up the stairs and opened the door to the apartment, seeing it bathed in a blue light from the TV. Kinder was asleep on the couch, covered in a quilt, with a half-drunk mug of hot chocolate on the coffee table. Castle smiled at her best friend, and she thought about doing that thing in movies where a character will lovingly adjust the blanket on another character, but Castle had always thought it unrealistic that the sleeping character didn't wake up when that happened, so she chose to let Kinder sleep and instead quietly snuck into her room, threw down her bag, and collapsed onto the bed. The next morning, Castle awoke to a burning smell from outside of her room. It was still early, maybe 7 a.m. or so. Kinder would be at work already, so she jumped out of the bed and out into the common area connected to the kitchen to see Kinder in the kitchen with a pan of blackened something and smoke filling the air. Good morning, Kinder called over the kitchen fan and smoke detector. Castle grabbed a book and waved it in front of the smoke detector, which finally shut off and then rushed to a window to allow the smoke out. Kinder closed the oven and looked at Castle with a smile. Welcome home, she said. What's all this? Castle asked. Well, Kinder wiped her arm across her forehead. I was trying to make you cinnamon rolls for your first morning back, but I guess I'm bad at baking. So instead, Kinder dumped the charred remains of what she claimed were cinnamon rolls but looked more like blackened pancakes into the trash and tossed her oven mitts onto the counter. Instead, I'm taking you to Luciana's, and you can pick something out there. So go get ready. I took the day off for you. Castle laughed, and she returned to her room to get dressed. In this moment, she didn't care about falling in love or having kids or having a career. After last night, she was just thankful to be alive and to have a friend as dear to her as Kinder. And as they walked down the street toward the bakery, she realized how thankful she was that nothing happens in Valleygate. Hey folks, thank you for listening to episode 3 of Nothing Happens in Valleygate. I really appreciate you joining me on this journey. Uh, this episode was written, recorded, edited, and sound designed by me, Josiah Duff. However, the music you are hearing right now is by my good friend Andy Ferris. Thank you, Andy, so much. I appreciate you. Thank you to the six or seven people who have left five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. That's a real big help for us. It helps us go up in the standings and get more people to visit the cozy town of Valleygate. So if you want to leave a review, make sure you head over to Apple Podcasts and do that. That would be a great help. And in thanks, I'm going to read two of these. Uh, there's 
seven reviews, but only two actual written reviews. So I'm going to read these. Um, one is by Bunny Lover 101, who says, A cozy listen. Thoroughly enjoying the experience of this podcast. Creatively written and easy to listen to. It transport you to a welcoming little world. Thank you so much, Bunny Lover 101. And Pop Diddly Do, who says, Well done. Super intentional and descriptive. You lose yourself in the story. So if you want to hear your review read out, you're going to have to leave one. Go ahead to Apple Podcasts and leave that review. Additionally, if you want to send an email to send feedback to say how much you like the show, go ahead and send an email to visitvalleygate at gmail.com. That's sort of where all this uh, correspondence is going to come to. And uh, I'll read your emails and I might even read one at the end of the show at some point. So go ahead and send some, some emails and I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks, folks. Bye.